hello and welcome to another episode of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. I am Jarrett and I'm here with the Games Industry Public Defender and Scourge of Ironforge, Nick Zelenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? Yes. And I am not here with Joel Couture again. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Joel will not be able to join us on the podcast, at least not for now, for, for a little bit. So we got that sad news, but you can still catch him on the site because he still writes tons of stuff. He just can't come to the podcast. Nick is pouring out a little bit <laughs> for our homie <laughs> for, for not being here. And a Medieval Times Cup at that. How long have you had that? Uh if I say a short amount of time, is that better or worse? <laughs> Dude, you know, more power to you. <laughs> <laughs> a few years. I've had it a few years. But what's nice is uh, there, there's a Medieval Times down here, just like there is up in uh, up in New Jersey. So I can still get my, uh, my, my pro wrestling night fix, effectively. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. <laughs> All right. So, yes, this is... Uh... MASHcast number 125, we missed last week, so actually technically speaking we missed the date for this one, but we didn't want to miss two in a row, so I had to get it out, you know, this, we're recording this on a Sunday now. You know, we did two episodes, and then we kind of cut out, we don't want that happening. We don't want to be those type of podcast hosts. It's summertime, we're, we're all outside eating hamburgers and having barbecues and stuff. I wish I was outside eating a hamburger, <laughs> like, for, like for the reasons that we had to cancel the podcast. No, not so yeah. much, guys. It was not fun. Yeah, it's kind of lame, yeah. <laughs> kind of lame. So, uh, But it is our end-of-the-month podcast. Like I said, we will be doing the What You've Been Playing at the end of the month now. So, Nick, what you been playing? Um, the same old, same old Warcraft and Hearthstone. And that's why I miss Joel Couture, because he actually played stuff. But wait, there's more! Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, actually, I finally got around uh, a while ago, The Cave was uh, available for free on PlayStation Plus, and I finally got around to playing that on my PlayStation, and uh, I didn't realize it was a, it was by Double Fine, so it's got their, it's got their trademark kind of wry humor, um, and basically this story is about, it's a cave, uh, the, the cave is the narrator, by the way, it's a talking cave. Um, and there are seven different characters. You pick three and head into the cave. And then it's a straightforward sort of like puzzle game where you have to, you know, manipulate the characters uh, to figure out how to get past some of the obstacles in the cave. Um, and there's there's a few set pieces there. Um, and then there are certain stages that are, are, are specific to a certain character. Um, each character has an ability. And so that ability comes into play as far as navigating the specific stages. For example, uh, there's a knight, and his ability is that he can cast a shield around himself that protects him from fire. Uh, so to get into the knight's castle, you have to jump down a chasm and use the shield to slow your fall and avoid the fire that's spitting out all amongst the chasm. Then you're in the castle, and then you can run around and do stuff. Um, it's kind of a dark game. Things don't always go well for the players, and it's... It, to some degree, it seems sort of unintentional. Uh, for example, with the knight, uh, you have to, you know, you have to get the the treasure from a dragon, um, and and in doing so, you, uh, you know, something happens with the dragon that um, with, with, results in things going very poorly for for the the kingdom that the knight is working with, um, and so it seems to a degree like oh, like that 
was sort of an accident. But on the other hand, it's like, well, the characters, I mean, as, at least as they're described by the cave, um, the characters are, are sort of intended to be very self-centered and, and uncaring about the consequences. Um, the, the whole point of the, is you go into the cave to get the thing you most desire and in, in seeking out the thing you most desire, if anybody else happens to be in your way, you kind of have to just, you know, steamroll over them and get your, get your item. Um, and I didn't realize that at the end of the game, you know, you, as you're about to leave the cave, you can leave with the thing you most desire. And then the cave kind of like talks some shit about you. And it's like, well, you you clearly didn't learn any lessons in there. Um, and then like, you know, there's a little story that each character that as you go through the cave, you unlock little cart like a comic. You unlock a, a panel of the comic as you go along. And then the comic sort of, you know, as, as it ends, you you see, you know, sort of the each characters, you know, the, each character kind of come to terms with, you know, the, the negativity that they've done. Um, but there is a way if, if you, that you can give the item that you most desire back at the end, which I didn't know about, and you can actually get like a good ending. So um, it's a bit, you know, it, it's, it's one of those games where you, you can play through it real quickly if you know how to solve the puzzles. If you look it up on, you know, like uh, Game Facts or YouTube or whatever, you just get through it. You can blow through it in under two hours. If you if you try to figure out the puzzles yourself, it may take a bit longer. Um, I've actually played it a few times now to get all the good endings and the bad endings. I'm still working on the, the good endings. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's an enjoyable little puzzle game. My favorite is the uh, there's a time traveler in the game, and so the so that stage is you've got your characters moving through the same stage in the past with dinosaurs in the present and then in the future. And so what's neat is that you go in the past and you leave one of the characters in the past, you send another character to the future and there's a skeleton where your character was standing. Oh, so, yeah. so you can follow, you know, you can keep track of where everybody is. And there's, it's one of the, you know, like you have to do certain things in the past to like, for example, the first puzzle is there's a, a set of stalactites and stalagmites blocking your progress. So you send one of the characters to the future, they move a rock. And since, you know, stalactites and stalagmites are created by dripping water, you have to move a rock to block the water from dripping in the past. And then there's no more stalactites and stalagmites in the future and everybody can just walk through. So it's, it, I thought that was a really neat stage. I enjoyed playing through that. Um, overall, it's, you know, it, it's a good, you know, fun puzzle game. It's, you know, it, I enjoyed it. Um, highly, you know, I yeah, highly recommend it. I'd say I highly recommend it. It's a good game. Okay. What else have you been playing? Is that it? No, because uh, today marks the end of the Steam Summer Sale. I thought it was to the 30th. Or uh, tomorrow. I, tomorrow. I saw it today when I went in there. They were like, these are the, this, t you know, I think the sale actually ends tomorrow at 1. But today, like today at 1, they put up the final set of sales. Oh, uh, okay. But uh, yeah, so I got in there. I got Shadowrun Returns, which I haven't had the chance to play yet. I got Monaco, What's Yours Is Mine. Right. Um, I played that for about 20 minutes, um, but I was playing with some random people. That seems like that might be fun if you know everybody you're playing with and you can actually kind of strategize about how to use the characters. Um, well, I don't know, part I was... of the fun is like when I played with uh, Joe, is just somebody not knowing what the fuck they're doing and running around. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was dying a lot and then... You know, it was fun uh, reviving somebody and then immediately dying, and they'd have to revive you, and then they'd immediately die. Right. Um, so it was it was very chaotic. Um, so I might go back and try to play that a little bit more. Um, it seemed interesting, but uh, you know, I played that very cursor, you know, very cursory kind of going over um, just to get my 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 dollar fifties worth out of it. 
Right, yeah. Um, the other game that I played, though, um, the, the Stanley Parable, I finally got that since that was on sale. Um, that blew my mind. I played I played the demo and the demo was fun and amusing and 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 you know t- tongue in cheek. The game itself is very tongue in cheek, but I, I feel like I mean because the the game you know it starts off with a very you know you've got the narrator you've got a very simple you know there's a guy he's in his cubicle nobody else shows up at the office so what's going on so he starts to explore the office and it's all very straightforward and then you come to a point with two doors and I feel like from there. I feel like it says it says more about the player than it does about the game. Like as far as which door you choose and how you follow, um, it's fun because like you can stick to like you come to the two doors and the narrator says, and then Stanley took the right door. And so at that moment, you can choose whether you're going to take the right door or the left door. And if you take the right door, like you know things progress along normally and there's a amusing story. If you take the left door, things go incredibly off track rapidly, <laughs> and it's just incredibly bizarre um there's one point where i'm going along all of a sudden i enter a room and the narrator's like you're not supposed to be here this is a spoiler you have to get out of this room (laughs) like there is like i there's one room that i got to that was like it was basically like the devs like showing you how they made the game like it was insane like it it made it it made me question like it like fundamentally this game is about playing games and it makes you question your relationship to the game, the game's relationship to the narrator, like all the like the like you are a character in the game, and this is very much you and the narrator and the developers having. I mean, the, because the, the narrator is a character, but this is very much like you and the nar- and the developers having a dialogue about what is a game, and it just it it gets so meta, it's insane. And like I played it and then like I needed like I couldn't I mean, I kept playing it because I was like, well, what else is in here? Like what other permutations are there for how I can go through the game? You can run through the actual like, you know, the the actual events pretty quickly. um, But there's so much depth in it. And it's 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 just it's bizarre, but it's amazing. Um, One of my favorite things about the game, though, is the achievements. (laughs) Um, One of the achievements, I think, is called like this is an achievement. I don't even. I don't even know how you unlock that because it's just an achievement. Maybe um, you have to get an achievement and then it gives you that one. I got an achievement. I didn't get that one. Another one was the unachievable and it was, you cannot get this achievement. Oh, huh. and then there's another one that you get an achievement. If you play the game for an entire Tuesday for an entire Tuesday, for an entire Tuesday. So you may just have to boot it up at like 1159 on Monday and just wait till 1201 on, on Wednesday and you'll get an achievement for that. You get an achievement for for logging out of the game and logging back in. Really? Yes. Their 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 achievements are are very tongue in cheek, and overall, I mean, it was I got it for six dollars. I think normally it's like fifteen. Fifteen's uh, a little much. Um, I think any anything under ten is worthwhile. If if you're, I mean, this is this is what, I mean, I, I, it, you know, this very much. Is it falls into like into like the Dear Esther and even Journey to a degree where it's you're not really you're, you're really just exploring. That's all you can really do to interact with the the world. Um, but there definitely is a game here, and this is very much a dissertation on like the gaming experience. You it almost it, it almost it's it it almost reminds me a bit of like uh, like the 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 computer from War Games, like where where the the the, the only way to win is not to play. 
Like it's it was really just. I mean it it it, it I, yeah it it like I said it blew my mind. So I, I would highly recommend it. It doesn't take that long to play through, um, and it, it I think it says some interesting things about what is a game. I have it. I've just never played it. I've never booted it up. I would say take take you can at least do one playthrough in under twenty minutes. Really? So just take it, take it, you know, go through, and then really, I think the interesting thing is just like I just like they have to track like what do people do when they come to that door do they follow what they're supposed to do or do they go the other way i feel like most people go the other way because just because it's like that's the contrarian thing to do but yeah and it's a game i mean yeah but either way like you 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 come to like interesting things happen either way so i I recommend it okay anything else um I did get into the uh, the Warcraft beta for the next expansion. Uh, I've poked around in there a little bit, but I haven't really had had enough time to actually like explore to see what there is in there. And I'll I'll talk about that more on the Warcraft podcast anyway. Okay. All right. So that's about it then for you. That, that's about it. Okay. Uh, so let's see. Me, I, I I you know I did dabble in the Steam sales this year, but unfortunately, I already own most of the games that were on sale that I wanted. So, yeah, uh, my wallet was relatively safe. I think I may have spent thirty dollars, maybe. What'd you get? Um, I got Walking Dead. I got oh, Walking Dead season two, The Wolf Among Us. Um, a couple other games. I just bought Shadowrun today for like three bucks. Shadowrun Returns and something else. I can't remember. I'm sure I'll go down my list at some point and actually see the stuff that I've bought. Um, but I'll, I'll get into why I haven't been actually been playing that stuff. Let me tell you what I have been playing. Uh, I got a chance to play Anomaly Defenders. I finally I got that code like the day it came out, and I didn't get a chance to play it, so I finally got a chance to play it. And Anomaly, the series, is a reverse tower defense game. And Anomaly Defenders is a reverse reverse tower defense game, which means you're just playing tower defense. And, I mean, it's cool and all. I mean, it's a good game. I, I, I liked it. It had a nice challenge to it. But Anomaly really shines as a reverse tower defense game. As a tower defense game itself, it's not bad. It's good. But it doesn't necessarily give me a reason to buy it unless I was hardcore into tower defense. You know? Not that much. I'm used to at least a little story with the Anomaly. Um you know, series. Uh, and in Anomaly Wars on Earth 2, there was actually voice acting going on. But with Defenders, it's like, oh, well, they are the humans who usually play as repelled their attack on Earth, so that's you. Uh, now they're coming to attack our home planet. So now you're taking the uh, the side of the aliens and you have to ward off the humans while you try to launch these pods off of the planet. So, it was good. But it was like it's a tower defense game. Nothing much, nothing really to talk about there. I played another game called A Story About My Uncle, which is literally a story about somebody's uncle. That that is what it is, and it's not your normal well, Uncle Jesse got drunk, you know, type of story. But it's an actual like basically this kid or this this man who has a daughter. He's putting his daughter to bed, and the daughter wants to tell him a bed wants him to tell her a bedtime story. And so he starts telling, telling her a story about his uncle. And his uncle was a scientist, and you managed to get whisked away to this, you know, new world where 
gravity obviously does not play by the rules that it does on Earth, and you have this suit that has a like this lightning grappling hook, and you basically grapple around this world, and it's actually pretty awesome. I liked it a lot. I did the review on it. And, I mean, you can play through the whole game uh, in about two hours. Uh, but I actually played through it twice because as I'm playing through the game and I'm going to where I need to go, I'm like, there's another route there. I could take that route. It's harder, but it's a lot more fun. So I went through and took all the harder routes uh, my second time around, which is, you know, it was pretty cool. Like, the game itself doesn't get hard until, like, the last, I don't know, 30 minutes. Like, in the last, like, they, they kind of ease you into all this stuff in the game and then the last 30 minutes they, they really put you to the test you know they really test you so that was cool and i recommend that game even though it's like 13 bucks and 13 bucks is a little much for what you get to be honest with you so oh check it out if if you're interested go, go look at the uh the trailer the trailer is pretty cool uh so besides that i did play um the I didn't play the Wolf Among Us, sorry. I played The Walking Dead Season 2. The first two episodes, not the third. And it's a good game, but you know what I'm finding? Did you play The Walking Dead, Nick? No, no. Okay, so in the first game, you play this guy named Lee. When I played as Lee, the decisions I made were based on decisions that I think I'd actually make in those scenarios. Now that I'm playing as Clementine, who was a character in the first one, but as Lee, like, one of the things you wanted to do was protect her. You know, you found her, and she's a little girl, and you wanted to protect her. So a lot of the decisions I made had to do with protecting her. Now that I'm playing as her, I do not have the same connection to her character the way I had a connection to Lee. Hmm. When I make decisions off for her, they're made in two ways. One, um, I make decisions in a way that, like, you know, to keep her alive, you know, the, the, not necessarily things that I would do myself, but one, just to keep her alive and keep her the safest. So I made decisions as her to do things I wouldn't necessarily do because I want to make sure it's the safest path for her. The other way I make decisions is because I already know her character, I make decisions that I think she would make herself. And that actually think that's causing a disconnect for me in this game. Like, I like it, but I don't like it as much as Season 1 because I had a much deeper connection with Lee than I have with Clementine. And I think it's because I know the character, and that's why. You know, Is, is also part of it that Clementine's, what, like a 10-year-old girl and Lee was an adult? Possibly. You know, maybe. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time I've played, I've played a game where you're playing somebody younger or a different gender. Well, in The Last of Us, did you identify more with Joel or with Ellie? I identified more with Joel, but she only played with Ellie for a very short time. You know? But even in a game like The Last of Us, like, it's not the same thing. With RPG, you're making decisions. Like, that character's fate and who that character develops as has a lot to do with the decisions you make and how you build the character. The Last of Us, it wasn't like that. I didn't, I didn't feel a connection to Joel or Ellie. But, I mean, I liked playing as Joel more, to be honest with you. And, like, I, I, you know, from a story perspective, I like Joel's, you know, story a bit better. Um, but I didn't necessarily connect with Joel, just the same way I didn't connect with Laura Croft and Tomb Raider, not because, you know, she's a woman, 
but because it's more it's an action game you know what i'm saying it's more of yeah. me i'm on the outside watching what's happening yeah you know what i'm saying whereas with rpg you get pulled in a bit more do you think that you would have had a problem connecting with lee if you had spent a game watching him just as a side character and then you took him over in the second sequel uh, the second installment i think so and i think that's part of the problem the fact that you know now with clementine like i, I she she's a, she's already a developed character I kind of expect her to do certain things. You know what I'm saying? Like I I know how she would react to certain situations. And I think that's part of the problem. I mean, it's good, but so far to me, it's not as good as the first one. Even though they've added some additional, like, game type, you know, little mini games and challenges, which is pretty cool. You know, um, it's funny because you, they had that 400 Days DLC that was supposed to tie together the first game and the second game doesn't necessarily tie the tie it together, but there are characters from the 400 Days DLC that I have art that I've met uh, in the new season, and I was just like, I should have let her die. <laughs> <laughs> I should have let her die. So wait, like, if you let them die in the DLC, then they don't show up in the new season i don't know like i don't know like if they if if uh well actually though no, the character i'm sorry the character in question i don't think there was any way for me to have her get killed unfortunately but i really wish she would have died because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like her i don't like her so but i thought that was, that was kind of cool i was curious to see how you know how that was gonna go so uh but the beginning of uh the Walking Dead, like season two, that was kind of like they just kind of put you right back in there. Like sometimes you kind of forget that the world is not, uh, you know, what, what kind of kind of world they live in, and then they really, really quickly put you right back in that shit, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I've been playing that. I'm looking forward to playing The Wolf Among Us because Joel likes that, and he's been writing some good reviews about it. Now, the reason I haven't been playing more of those games, especially the games that I bought. It's because of Mass Effect. So, um, oh yeah, there's another game I played. I, I, I'll bring it up, but check this out, okay? So, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I saw I saw a um, like a little video, like somebody that has made this video of Crisis. And I was like, huh? I never beat Crisis Three. Let me check it out. And so I booted up Origin, which I had not booted up Origin for a year. I had not turned on Origin, okay? Not because I hate it that much. I mean, I already bought the games, but because I forgot I had it. Like, it's such a non-factor on my PC. So I boot up Origin, and there's Crisis, and I was like, oh, shit, I bought Mass Effect 3. I forgot that I totally bought Mass Effect 3, the Deluxe Edition. I'm like, okay, fine, let me, be, let me finish playing Crisis, and I'll play Mass Effect 3. Dude... I was literally 30 minutes from the end of Crisis. 30 <laughs> minutes from the end of Crisis. I, and, only, and it took me about a, about 45 minutes to actually get to beat it, be, only because I had to relearn how to play. And like, who picks up a game in the last 30 minutes has to relearn how to play? That's supposed to be the hardest part of the game, which it was. It was the most difficult part of the game. And I actually really liked the ending to that game. I liked the way they ended that series. It's not as good as Crisis 2, but it was it was still good. Um, so I, I beat that. 
and then I installed Mass Effect 3, but it's like, well, I beat Mass Effect 2, but not all the DLC. So I, within a, a time period of two days, I beat all of the Mass Effect 2 DLC. Which I was kind of pissed, because the only way to really appreciate the Mass Effect 2 DLC is to replay the game yeah. with the DLC in it. Yeah. Because other than that, like, I got Kasumi, I got um, uh, Zaid. Yeah. But you, go, you, you get one mission where you meet them, and then you get the next mission as their loyalty mission. And they're not that long. You know, that's it. So, like, those DLCs were, like, 15 bucks when they came out, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, like, if I paid $15 for those DLCs, I actually ended up paying $5 for them. But actually, for, I, I, I paid 5 bucks for them. For each or both? For each. So, $10, okay. Yeah. And um, I would have been pissed if I paid $15 each because in order to really appreciate it, you have to go back and replay the game. Yeah, well, not, well not, only, not only that, but I guess the premise isn't just that you're getting those missions, but you're also getting those characters who then you can theoretically use them for the duration of the game, you know, from the point that they join your party. So, I mean, if you do the DLC early and then I like uh, I think because I had the DLC when I played through Mass Effect 2. So I think Zaid was actually one of the first things that I did. So I had him as like a party member for the bulk of the game. And I actually made the mistake of trying to use him in the end run. I'm like, oh, he'd be good for this. And like, of course, I kept failing. Like, why do they keep killing him? Because that's not where you're supposed to use him. Um, oh, they keep trying to kill Zaid? Yeah, in the, uh, in the in the end, uh, where you have to pick specific party members and they have to be a certain amount of loyal. Yeah. And, and you know, if you, if you haven't... If you haven't done it properly, um, then whoever you pick winds up dying. Um, yeah, was, I kept it. You didn't do his loyalty mission? I did his loyalty mission, but I was still putting him in the wrong role. So, that's, like, that's you're, not, you're, not supposed to, you're not supposed to pick him for anything. In the, at the end, when you're, you're assigning, like, you do this, you do that, Zaid is not supposed to do any of that. It's all for the other characters. Really? So yeah, so I kept picking him like you, you like you're a badass. You should be able to do this. And then he's like, "Oh, I'm dying." Oh, and I'm like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> Even Kasumi is the same thing. If you try to pick her, I, she'll die. I didn't try picking her. Eventually, I got frustrated. Like, why does he keep dying? And then I read like the chart, and I was like, "Oh, let's just pick one of these characters." And so, huh? Yeah, I'd like, have pissed. Yeah, and it's I guess that's one of the things is like because they're DLC, like they they're not available. You know, they're not required for the end part. But you're not really supposed to use them at all for the end part. So. And that's kind of the thing, like, um, I, that kind of pit, well, pissed me off because, like, I didn't get the, D, the, you know, I didn't get the DLC until after the game because I thought, you know, it's DLC, it's add-on content. I didn't know it was going to have such a major impact in the actual game. You know, like, because that's the thing, like, there's a, there's a ton of dialogue that you miss. Like, the, you know, the ton of, like, I was reading about some of the dialogue between Kasumi and Jacob. And the sexual end of window oh, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah, what the fuck? I missed all that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's he should be buying you that DLC because, you know, that's his hookup. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Best thing is like, I don't know if I want to go and replay through Mass Effect 2 just to get all that get all that dialogue now. Did you do the Shadow King DLC? Shadow King? Or the Shadow what was the Shadow Broker. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I did. I did the Shadow okay. Broker. So and that's like that's real DLC. Like that's yes. an add-on. The Shadow Broker, Firestorm. There was another one besides that. The one where you first get the 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 thing that jumps. The one that jumps. Up. Oh, the, yeah. The, that, I thought that was fire. 
No, no, you're right. That's not Firestorm. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the one where you have to go to the planet and there's all the lava and everything and it's going to explode. No, 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 that was Firestorm. Firestorm was the first one you get that. The oh. other one after that, um, which I forget which one that was. But yeah, that's add-on content too. Firewalker, was it Firewalker? Firewalker yeah, the yeah. one where you have to actually go down to the Normandy crash site. That's mm. that's add-on. But like the Kasumi and Zaid DLC or not. And now when I'm playing Mass Effect 3, I see the characters and I'm like, hey, we all those great times we had? Like, no, we didn't. Like, I barely know you. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't even get those characters back. Like, they just added as war assets, which is kind of pissing me off. You know? So, unless I'm missing something, you can get them in the actual game. But, you know, I, I, they added as war assets. Actually, one thing that pisses me off about Mass Effect 3 is what they did to Ashley. Well, Don, I, 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 I may have to put the, spe- the headset down. I don't want to know. Well, did you not beat it? I haven't played it yet. I still got to get it. I, I'm not talking about like what they did to her physically. I'm talking about what uh, uh, what they did to her character. I don't I, like. She doesn't I, look I, I, like I, I, a sol- she doesn't look like a soldier anymore. Like I in terms of like, how she looks, she looks like she just stepped out of a like a Miss America pageant. But she's in, like, full soldier gear. Like, the, the Ashley from the original Mass Effect, she actually looked like a soldier. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even yeah, though yeah, yeah. it's supposed to be a futuristic shoulder, this one's got, like, you know, her hair is all done, wearing lip gloss. It's obvious that the developers are like, well, Miranda's hot. So now we have to make the other major love interests for Shepard, or male Shepard, or maybe Femme Shepard, hot. You know, and that's and like that's what they did to Ashley. I'm like, I don't like that because like, you know, Miranda's not a soldier, um, but Ashley is. Did you got something to say, Nick? Uh, no, no, I haven't played the game, so I don't want to. I, I got nothing, nothing of relevance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Also, she keeps. I'm gonna tell you this: she's not gonna be my love interest. I'll tell you that Ooh. much. Uh-uh. Ooh. Snap, snap. No, <laughs> she's not gonna be my love interest. Because she keeps pissing me off. Like, you know me, Ash. I knew you, Shepard. <laughs> like, you know. Like, oh, what? Fuck you. I'll go Miranda. That's what I'm going with. But they keep yanking my chain. I haven't gotten Miranda yet. I'm pretty sure I can get her. If my, like, little quest line ends with Miranda and she turns into a war asset, I am going to throw my computer out of a window. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want my baby back. I was already upset that Jack is um, also a war asset. I could not, you don't get her back. To my knowledge, there's no way to get Jack back. I have to double, I have to double check on that. Like maybe if I, I think that might, maybe if I make a different decision, I can, I can get her to come to the ship. But to my knowledge, she just becomes a war asset. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I've been playing Mass Effect Three. That's been taking up a lot of my time. I think I'm about halfway through, and I'm already at 25 hours. You know, so I feel like you're forcing my hand. I'm gonna have to get that now. Well, yeah. Oh, you don't even have it? No, because you know <sighs> I keep waiting to buy the. Uh, I want to get the collector's edition that's got everything, and I keep waiting to get that. I and thought just... you knew. I thought you had. It. I would have told you. Origin had a ridiculous sale on it. How much? It was like ten bucks. When Maybe was this? A, this was like two weeks ago. Oh, that's why I got it last year. Every E3. Origin does a huge sale. This is like the only sale Origin does every year. And last year, I got Crisis 3, Collector's Edition, Mass Effect 3, Collector's Edition, Battlefield 3, Premium Edition, for a total of $25. Damn. 
that's what that's why I bought it. I was like, well, I can't reject Origin now. Look what they did. <laughs> so, so you can be bought. I can be bought. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nice. But um, yeah, that's the thing. Like that, I, I wish I would have known. I would have told you. Oh well. There's so, always next. There's always next year. Yeah, but it is. I mean, it's a good. It's a good game. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a good game. I just I do have some gripes with it. I don't know if I finish once I finish Mass Effect. I don't know if I'm gonna go back from the beginning and start a new character or not. Why would you? Well, have you have you been playing? Because I mean, as I've been going along, I, I do each game. I've done like a Paragon and then a Renegade run. Have you been? Are you just doing one run? I just did one big run. Okay. So I mean, of course, it'll be over a lot of time. It'll be yeah. it'll be me doing it. But um, the one thing that really is bothering me is the endings. Like I kind of looked into it. And I I found out that you need well first of all you want to know some something that's very surprising what shit ton of people still playing the multiplayer really yeah maybe maybe because they all just got in because it was on sale maybe so many people playing the multiplayer dude and so you know you you can actually get you can get all of the war assets that you need to get the best ending without playing the multiplayer but you need so much more like you need like four thousand um like ems or like you know your total military strength or something like that or effective military strength you need like four thousand but just combing the galaxy and the fact that some of these missions are timed for you to get war assets you can easily miss some uh, okay you can easily miss some so, I mean, I'm going to have to play the multiplayer anyway. Um, if, I, if I can get 100% um, effectiveness or 100% rating, it knocks down how many... Well, my EMS has to be by half. Oh, okay. I think. So I'm going to do that before I actually go through the last mission. The thing that's bothering me the most, and I don't know how true this is, but to get the perfect ending, you have to go Renegade. Really? That's what I've been reading in several places. Huh. In several places, you have to make a renegade decision. And that's how you get the perfect ending. That feels right. <laughs> <laughs> like, the way that universe is, it's like, yeah, that's not a, yeah, like, yeah, that's not like an idyllic, like, oh, hey, I'm going to do all the right things here and everything's going to be great. Like, no, that's that universe has kind of been like, yeah, screw you, I'm going to I'm going to do this this way and this is how it's going to go. And yeah, that, that feels right. Yeah. So that's the thing I get. Um, that's, that's what, that's what I, I, I didn't necessarily like that. I already have problems with the ending. I'm not even there yet. <laughs> now, <laughs> that one also th- feels right. <laughs> one thing I want to talk, I want to talk about quickly. Is like when I was looking this stuff up, why like, all the information I brought up, I brought up without spoilers, right? Yes. Every place I looked up, had just spoilers out there. Didn't even give you a spoiler warning. So I kind of already know what happens at the end of the game. And I know what happens at the perfect ending. But I want to see it anyway. I'm like, really? You guys can't do that shit without spoilers? Like, yeah, so you get the perfect ending in which blah, blah, blah. Like, it just happens. Like, you know, <laughs> like, they just, they just put it out there. Or you get this ending in which blah, blah, blah. Like, that's, yeah, well, that was kind of pissing me off. So I'm I'm really going for like like the best endings, which I can understand why people were upset. 
if what I read is correct and all three endings, ultimately the result is the same. Unless mm-hmm. you get the perfect ending, which is kind of a cop-out. Um, I can understand, I can see why people were upset already. Because, you know, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to do what they did to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No problem. I, I, I'm just saying, I get it. I get it. I get why people were upset <laughs> if it is exactly what they're saying it was. Um, but I am having a good time with it. I already missed some more assets because I took too long to go pick these guys up. Um, and yeah, so they were they were gone. I, I don't I do not see them. And then there's there's an event that happens that kind of changes the structure of things, and then you just can't re- you just can't turn some stuff in because different people start you know disappearing from certain places. Those war assets that you missed, are they all old characters, or are they, uh, like, is it like, oh, you don't get to see somebody from an old... It was a group of mercenaries. It was a group of mercenaries I needed to get from a specific location, and they were gone, so... Okay. But, okay, but the old characters, though, like, those are, it's it's a bit easier to get those. They don't, they're not on the same timer like these other pieces are. Right, at least it seems that way. Okay. Yeah, but they turn, when I see the thing that turns them into a war asset, I'm like, god damn it, I want to use them. It feels like I'm not picking up characters at the same rate. No, nowhere near the same rate. Well, I know. I mean, for Mass Effect 2, I mean, that was the intentional design was like, you're going to just go and like your mission is just get these people, make a badass military unit and then, you know, run run a suicide mission. Um, so I, I don't know if it's the same. It's, it's, it's going to have the same tempo for the third one where now it's kind of like now you're just in full on assault against the uh, – against the the reapers Hmm. that's a good point i just do remember having a weight like a much bigger you know group at this point like it feels like i had the same guys for a really long time especially if you do the side missions like you don't pick up anybody except war assets from side missions yeah so but um yeah i mean it's a good game i just have some gripes with it you know but that is a really long what you've been playing (laughs) <laughs> we just we, did there. We got to stop playing stuff again. Nah, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the end of the month. Like, just be ready, guys. Long mash cast is coming. <laughs> Long mash cast is coming. Let's get into our actual topics. Yes. Um, which, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but it just kind of feels like game news has been on, on the sparse lately. A little bit, a little bit. Even at, like, right? I mean, there was some stuff that came out, of course, during E3 week, but then after E3, it's just kind of like, meh, like, you know. I think uh, we haven't found anybody fucking up recently. <laughs> Maybe that's no, why. All, all, all the fuck-ups have been pushed back to 2015. Yes, and, you know, Microsoft is turning a new leaf, so it's kind of like, who are we going to talk about now? Who, who We just got to wait for somebody to fuck up. Microsoft is turning over a new leaf. Nintendo is, like, you know, making a comeback. The fuck? <laughs> you no, know? I, I, think, I think Ubisoft is sort of the new punching bag for everybody. Yeah, but it's... Tommy, yeah, yeah, they, they, I guess you're right. They are the new punching bag. So, but, um, and, you know, depending on, you can have a different stance on that. There's multiple stances on the whole <laughs> Ubisoft thing right now. So we'll see. But first up, we're going to talk about Mirror's Edge 2. Now, did you, did you play Mirror's Edge, Nick? I did not. Okay. Um, so, hmm. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll read this, this article title. Uh, that Mirror's Edge 2 will focus on first-person combat as well as movement. And I have a really big problem with that. <laughs> I have a, a really big problem with that. Um, in the original Mirror's Edge, 
First of all, I don't even know what they're calling this Mirror's Edge 2. Are, are they calling this Mirror's Edge 2? No, I thought this was just Mirror's Edge. I thought this was just Mirror's Edge, yeah. Um, because it's a reboot. A reboot of a game that only had one game. <laughs> of a series that only had one game. Uh, so, in the original Mirror's Edge, there was hand-to-hand combat. And actually, the dev says that... Uh, uh, um, the last game focused on first-person movement. It was definitely shown in the... Actually, I'm sorry. Wrong part. Where is it? Where is it? That... that oh, was- hey, I'm sorry. Here we go. The original Mirror's Edge, which was released in 2000, they included first-person melee fighting as well as optional gun-based combat. Both were poorly received by players. And... I don't think that they were poorly received the players. Like, did they talk to the guys who made that first game? Because it was it was pretty clear to me as a player that in Mirror's Edge, you could fight, you could have combat, you could um, take somebody's gun from them, but it was not recommended. Like they didn't like they the devs didn't want you to fight. They wanted you to be a runner. They wanted you to run into an area, slide past the guards, and then move away. The game was not supposed to revolve around combat. Like, if you wanted to, like, the, I think, like, if I, I would disarm, there were some parts where I had to disarm somebody because they were just too fast with the gun. So I'd run up to them, disarm them, and then I would toss the gun, and then I'd knock him out. You know, but I wouldn't just run up to a guy and start having hand-to-hand combat with him. Most of the time I try to surprise them or slide into like their shin and knock them down and then kick them in the face as I'm running away. But it's supposed to be a speed running game and you are supposed to use your speed to your advantage. You know, that's the thing. I don't like the fact that hand-to-hand combat is going to be a focus of this game because it kind of takes away from what the series was. That's what made the series unique. Because... There had already other been games that had first-person melee combat, and I mean those games are cool and all, but this game was like you know you you can do that, but you're not supposed to. That's not how you play this game. That's not how you get good at it. There were so many parts in Mirror's Edge where you have to run past like a group of guards, run up a wall, get into the ceiling, jump off of this thing, fly off of that, and then land on the other side without getting shot, and that was really cool. And I don't want to lose that. I'm not. I'm not liking it. At this point, it's hard to say because the, the, it it's hard. They don't really give a lot of information about what exactly they mean by focus on. They just say that the first game focused heavily on the running aspect and the the movement aspect and the parkour aspect. And to that degree, as as you point out, it may well have been intentional. Um, that you know the combat was sort of overlooked to a degree and here they're just saying they're going to focus on that more um which at that point it, it, it really becomes semantics like okay we're going to focus on movement but we're still going to we're going to focus on combat like what is what is focus in this you know like how much are they d- devoting to each each concept um it sounds like what they want is for combat to be more viable um that they don't want it to feel sort of tacked on um which as you pointed out though was a was a very well a valid design decision and sort of encouraged like the combat is terrible here because you're not supposed to do that. So here it sounds like they at least want it to be more of a viable option. Like you can run past somebody or you can fight them and it won't feel, it won't feel degraded. Like you're making a wrong choice. But that was the thing. Like it didn't feel tacked on. It was that she wasn't a fighter. She wasn't a soldier, you know? So like if, if she's going hand, hand to hand with these, 
with these trained soldiers, it's not going to work out in her best interest. If she's going to go and grab a gun and try to shoot somebody, she's not necessarily trained in that. So it would be a bad decision. It, it, that's, what, that's what it felt like when you did that. Versus them like, oh, well, I guess if they get into a tight spot, they need to know how to fight. But that was part of the awesomeness of the game. I remember, there's, there's, I think it's the second level where you find out that your sister has been set up. And then the cops start breaking in. And there's this part where you're running along like this, uh, I don't know what to call it, but you're running along this walkway and there's doors along the walkway on the side of the building. And as you're running, as you're running past the doors, just when you get to the door, just far enough for you to see at the corner of your eye, you see the door get kicked open and somebody start to come through. And you can feel them breathing on your neck like they, they almost grabbed you. They almost got you. And you just ran past that. That is an amazing feeling, and I'm afraid that that's going to be lost here. Let me tell you something about Dice before you start talking. (laughs) 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 Dice also released some statements uh, about Battlefield Bad Company 2. And they said, we want to make another Bad Company game, but we don't know what made the last Bad Company game fun. And in my opinion, I'm like, dude, you just got to go back and play that shit. Like, you know, <laughs> they don't understand why people like that game so much. They couldn't enumerate it. And I'm just saying, I could give you a million, not a million reasons, but I give you so many reasons why that game was so good. And it's clear to me that the staff that was with DICE back then versus the staff that's with DICE now, you know, of course, Mirror's Edge and Bad Company 2 had a distance between them by a couple of years. I'm be wrong. But it, I don't know if it's, if it's turnover at DICE or people getting promoted and moved to different places. But they've kind of, it feels like they're kind of losing what made them a great company. I mean, look at Battlefield games now. Battlefield 3 was bleh. Like, they really just wanted to focus on explosions and destruction and actually becoming more Call of Duty-like. Um, Battlefield 4, well, do we really even need to talk about it anymore? Like, I'm tired of talking about Battlefield 4, and between between it being a clone of Battlefield 3 and how many bugs it had, it's not a, it's not great. And then Battlefield Hardline, which is actually another game I forgot to mention because I want to try to forget about it. Be, that game is a fucking circus. It's a circus. Like, when you play that game, it is a circus. It literally... Remember that game, State of Emergency from Rockstar? It's like if you made that in first person. There's cop cars everywhere. I felt like a criminal because I had to run up to this thing that had a bunch of money in it, put money in a bat in a backpack, and run it to my uh, to my to my car. You know, a helicopter crashed at some point. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. It felt like a circus, and I feel really feel like Dice is losing it, and this is pushing it further. I, it feels like Dice is losing, like they're getting too big for the bridge because EA is heavily, heavily, lo- like leaning on Dice. Well, they were talking in in the interview that this all spawned from with uh, with CVG. Uh, what is it, Carl Magnus Trodson, uh, who is it, the, the Dice general manager? He was talking about how they've grown and that they've got was it the original? I think it was the Swedish team that did everything. Um, that they're working on Battlefront now, the Star Wars game. Mm-hmm. And so because they're working on that, they had to send, I think, hardline development to their L.A. team now. And, yeah, they've 
they've increased in headcount, and I don't know which team has Mirror's Edge. If it's the same team that worked on it before, it's another team there. But you're you're entirely right about as far as you know how how they're how how they're allocating these projects. That it may it, you know it may well be a completely different set of people who don't who don't who don't have the same appreciation for what Mirror's Edge was. Although that's weird though, because if like who. I mean, there there was a huge clamoring for a Mirror's Edge follow up, and it seems weird that if all you know for that game to be as loved as it was. I mean, it was it's a cult classic. You know, you would think you would have given it to, to at least somebody who understood, you know, and appreciated that first game, unless unless this is all just Activision sort of overlording and being like uh, EA or EA EA, um, just overlording and being like, no, it needs more shooting. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, like. People wanted Mirror's Edge 2, but because of how Mirror's Edge sold originally, you know, they didn't want to give it the time of day, and now they're like, okay, fine, we're going to give you a Mirror's Edge sequel, which is really a reboot, but they're changing the game. They're changing what people, you know, loved about it. Aren't they basically dead spacing it? They are dead spacing it. This is why EA... Oh, God, EA... They really need to get. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna happen again. They, they, you know, when EA was at its best, right? Like when they got their nose put into their own shit. Like that's when they had. Like when they were when they were losing it. You know, Madden sales were going down. Activision was beating their ass. Like that's when they started pumping out great games like Mirror's Edge, uh, Bad Company, Bad Company Two, Medal of Honor, the Medal of Honor that came out in like 2010. They came out with all this amazing stuff, Crisis 2, and then they started getting too big, and, well, we're going, now it's just going downhill again. Like, it's 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 not what we want. Like, I mean, uh, I gotta try Mirror's Edge just to see it. Like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see it, you know what I'm saying? Just to see if my fears have been confirmed, or if it's a good game, or if it could have been better, because I, I do also get upset if a game is good, but could have been better. You know, if a game misses potential, Sleeping Dog, not Sleeping Dogs, sorry, fucking uh, um, Watch Dogs. There we go. I knew it was a game with dogs in it. <laughs> oh yeah, Watch, <laughs> watch Dogs, for example. That's Ubisoft. That's a totally different conversation. But I, I don't know. Mirror's Edge. I, I'm not. That that news didn't uh, make me happy. <laughs> you couldn't tell. But uh, let's move on to our next topic, which is anger, other people's anger, about the Assassin's Creed uh, Unity pre-order, which I want to talk about it because I don't understand. If somebody could please explain to me why this is bad, I would really appreciate it. So what Assassin's Creed Unity is doing is that if you pre-order, on top of getting the pre-order content stuff, which is a single mission, you know, and that's something they, they've been doing for the last couple of Assassin's Creeds. On top of getting that, you also get a this code that will allow you to allow you five chances to win prize every week until Assassin's Creed comes out. And I mean, I saw the article come across on Kotaku, and this is this the entire article. The only thing proving this isn't satire is the fact that is the fact that it was published on the official Assassin's Creed YouTube channel. I mean, fucking hell. That was from Luke Plunkett. Somebody please explain to me why this is bad. Like, why this is... 
why people be upset this. Then you go down in the comments, which I'm not even going to read because so many of them. People are just really giving it hell, giving it shit. Like, Nick, why are people upset about this? Well, I think one, coming from Kotaku, they've already kind of come out against pre-orders as far as um, them being an excuse for companies to get you out of your money before you can honestly... Um, before the reviews come out on a game even um i mean it's one of those things like ideally it's a concept where you know as a fanboy you're like okay you know i trust this company i trust this franchise i'm excited for the next game and i know this is going to sell big so i want to make sure i have my copy on launch day um it's changed now to the point where companies base their sales entirely around pre-orders i mean gamestop's whole model is pre-orders um so to that degree you know Pre-orders have kind of gotten out of hand, and, and, and Kotaku has, you know, come out before and basically said, like, we need to stop the pre-order, you know, we need to stop pre-ordering games, um, you know, because, you know, that's where the, the old Aliens Colonial Marines, which I know you said was okay, but a lot of people had issues with, um, as far I as... I never said it was good. I said it was... You, well, you I did, said it, it wasn't bad. <laughs> it, wasn't as, it wasn't as flawed as some people made it out Oh, to definitely. Be. It was not as flawed as people made it out to be. That's but, absolutely true. But, but people were disappointed with it, and the reviews were, were subpar, and the problem was people had pre-ordered it, and then they got it, and if they had waited for those reviews to come out, maybe they wouldn't have been so regretful about their purchases. And, and that may be true, and again, it's totally... this. I mean, pre-orders are an issue that we have brought about on ourselves. Um and you know it's if you're if you're fine playing for paying for a game site on scene and reserving your copy and like you like to point out you only need to spend like five dollars to pre pre-order a game you don't even need to make the entire payment um you know that's that's fine and all but in this case here i think it's just sort of it's it's i think coming on the heels of of, of watchdogs with its assorted collector's items and and all the different variations on the game you could buy there and all the different content you could get and some of those were collector's editions, not even pre-order tied, but some of that stuff was tied to pre-orders. I mean, coming on the heels of that now, you've got – not only do you have you know whatever the, nor- the standard pre-order bonuses are as far as content exclusive to different systems and, diff- you know, and then also different retailers, um, but now you have this, this lottery um, for you know, assorted items. It seems a bit much. Um, it, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with it. It's just, it, it's, we're, it's just another extension of a system that, is, that Kotaku thinks is flawed. So for, yeah. So, I mean, it, as far as, yeah, why this article doesn't like Kotaku doesn't think they need to make the argument about why this is over the top. They feel it's self-evident. Um, it's not entirely if you if you're fine with pre-orders and the, the system and, and again, I mean, fundamentally, you know, you, you're not. You're going to, pre- you know, for somebody who's going to pre order the game anyway, an opportunity, you know, what, five chances a week at different goods? I mean, what, you can win like a headset. You can win, uh, what else was there? I think the ultimate prize was a trip to Paris where you can see the sights from Assassin's Creed Unity. Um, so, I mean, you know, if, if you're going to pre order the game, this is really, you're not. You're not giving up anything to buy this, and you know fundamentally, they're you know it's a, it's a bit more incentive. Um, but yeah, Kotaku doesn't like pre-orders, and so of course this is you know they're not going to like this. Well, even over on Polygon, people were making a big stink about it. Not, not the the people who wrote the press release for Polygon, but the comments on Polygon, and I just don't understand what the problem is. You know, people were like, "Well, pre-orders is just a trap that you know, so you don't you buy the game and get the game before the reviews come out." Dude, you can return a pre-order the day the game comes out. Which, for a game like Assassin's Creed Unity, the reviews are going to be out a few days before. 
IGN, at the least, is going to have our early review probably uh, sometime the week before the game comes out. So if the game comes out, you know, you start getting these reviews and you see the reviews are bad, go cancel your pre-order. Don't put all your money down on a pre-order. This does other, of course, I mean, of course they want you to pre-order the game because, you know, you're more likely to get it at that point. But you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to get it. You can just cancel the pre-order. You have to think, and admittedly it's minor, but you have to think that, you know, what there, there are people who pre-order the game and then for whatever reason never pick it up, forget to get it. Yeah. You know, and, and so, I mean, to a degree, that's easy money for, you know, GameStop and Activision and all those people. You know, it's it's a small amount, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it's not like there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm going to pre-order a game and then just never get it. But, I mean, I'm sure that's an incentive for them to, you know, keep gaming the system this way. Yeah, but, I mean, like, even if you pre-order the, like, let's say you pre-order, like, the Super Collector's Edition that's going to be, like, 150 bucks, you could walk in the GameStop that day like, nope, cancel my pre-order. Because you only need, like, I think you need, like, 25 bucks to, to pre-order one of those. And you just cancel it. That's it. Like, I don't understand like how is Ubisoft some some big nasty bad guy for doing this. This is just another incentive. And it's not like they throw it in your face. Like it's printed on your receipt. You can go and put it in or not. But that's that's the old that's the old, you know, like, oh, here's your $50 phone. Oh, wait, it's a $100 phone with a $50 rebate. And then, yes, you you know, it's it's simple enough to go and fill out the rebate form and mail it out. And then you get the check a few weeks later, you know. But at the same time, it's still that extra step that some people just aren't going to do. And so, you you know, people can go and cancel and get their, their money back. They may not do that. You know, it's people are lazy. And so any, you know, any, anytime you kind of put the onus on them to be like, oh, well, you can go cancel that. Like, they're, they're, they're going to shy away from that. Okay, whether you pre-order at Amazon, Best Buy, GameStop, Target, no matter the place, you mean to tell me you're never going to step into those places again? Because you don't, if you don't pick up a pre-order, some of those places will credit you back anyway. But all you have to do is walk into one of those places. Like, I never picked up my pre-order. They can see in the system that you never pick up your pre-order. And they'll give you your money back anytime you walk in there. Anytime. See, and I don't. The, 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 and like you know, it, the, the whole thing about mail and rebates that doesn't uh, that doesn't like really apply here because with the mail and rebates, you know, they draw you and say, "Oh, this phone's only two fifty. Whoops, you got a mail and the rebate. It's not like that. There's nothing special you have to do here with this. Like, I mean. If you if you're gonna pre-order the game, you pre-order the game, and then if you want to participate, you do or not. That's it because you don't lose anything by not participating in this. You don't lose anything, unlike a mail-in rebate, where you will lose your money. Okay, the the only thing I can think then, as far as why people are upset about this, is because they're making it seem like you can get this stuff, and it's all you have to you have to win this stuff. And like maybe it's like, oh, I'm not actually getting the headphones as a bonus because I have to win them in a raffle now. Not that you would have gotten the headphones before. I can't defend it. I'm sorry. This is, this is the one time I got no bullets in the gun here. I got nothing. I, I'm trying my damnedest. I'm the with you on this. I don't. Rest, I don't I, it's, it's 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 pretty straightforward. I don't see the. Uh, I don't really see the problem. It's it, is it a bit you know is it a bit excessive a little bit but there's you're not losing anything. There's no. You know, you know what it is going into it. It's a clear, it's a, you know, it's a clear, you know, contest. So it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward here. Right. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I don't I don't get understand why people are upset about it, but whatever. Be upset, internet. All I know is I when I do get my Assassin's Creed pre order, because I will be pre ordering it and I will be probably getting the collector's edition. Um yeah, I'm gonna get my five chances a week. You should do that now. You're already missing out. The collector's edition hasn't been announced. I wanna see which I wanna see what's in the collector's edition. Cause if there's a statue in the collector's edition, I'll probably get it. If not, then I'll probably pass. Pre-order the game now. Put your five dollars down. Get your raffle chances now, because you're missing out on on very valid content. You know, you could be winning one of those headphones or something. And then once they announce the collector's edition, just cancel your pre-ordering and move on. Yeah, I might do that. Everybody should do that. Then it's a free free shot at a, a raffle. Maybe you win headphones. Maybe you win a trip to France, and then you cancel the game anyway. All cost <laughs> I I wonder if you could pre-order the game and then go back a few days later and cancel it and still get your five chances. You can technically actually get your five chances without pre-ordering the game. You can actually uh, mail in, you can actually send a, a message, not a message, sorry, you can uh, uh, mail in an envelope to Ubisoft and they will send you a code. They kind of, they have to do that for sweepstakes because of how gambling laws work. So, just just for those who, do, who don't feel like pre-ordering but still want to have your five chances to win. They're good headphones you might win. Yeah, we'll see. But that's something that I think people shouldn't be upset about, but they are. Uh, something that people should be upset about is Ubisoft downgrading graphics. Now, I mean, I, we should know that this is a rumor, but the rumors are saying that Ubisoft is purposefully downgrading the graphics on uh, the Division, the PC version of the Division, uh, because they wanted to match closer to console graphics, which that rumor has legs. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, like if you look at Watch Dogs on PC, I'm not sure who's if uh, if you if if you guys had a chance to play Watch Dogs on PC, or if you bought Watch Dogs on PC, if you even had a chance to play it because of how poorly it was performing and working, but sometimes not even working because of you play. But Watch Dogs on PC did not look that much better than Watch Dogs on console on a PS4 because I, I played it on both and it really didn't look that much better. So, I mean, we already know, like, PC gamers, I mean, we already know the power of our of our systems. We can see what it does, especially when you have indie games. Uh, you know, we can see what it, you know, what you, what we can do with it and then you get a game like Watch Dogs which is supposed to be, you know, quote-unquote cutting edge and it's more like you know the the dull edge of a butter knife, like it's <laughs> it's not there. So rumors like this have uh, legs. Now the, an anonymous source uh, published this, but they said um, there's definitely a lot of push coming from publishers to not make the experience so different on consoles as to alienate people thinking uh, that the next generation is not as powerful as PC. This is probably what happened at Ubisoft Montreal. I think that while making stability changes is definitely important, it does not completely obliterate a lot of the enhanced rendering applications. Now, um, Ubisoft got into a bit of hot water with Watch Dogs because somebody hacked Watch Dogs and they found some options for enhanced uh, graphics that were disabled. Ubisoft says those options were disabled for performance reasons. And I say bullshit. Like, you know, because if that was the case, why wasn't the game performing, period? The game was poorly optimized. Like, I think they said just turning the game on, it started eating up three gigs of RAM. 
just to turn the shit on. Like, that's ridiculous. Well, that, that may actually justify them turning down the higher features then if the game runs so crappy as it is that maybe it just couldn't handle that. Well, they released a patch that fixed that, apparently. Oh, okay. But I'm just saying, like, you know, putting extra stress on the graphics card as opposed to the RAM, I mean, come on. Or onto the GPU, I should say, I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean, this this definitely has legs because, you know, of that incident. And the fact that, like I said, PC gamers, we know what our rigs can do. You know, I play games, I play indie games that look better than what I have on the PS4 now. It's the whole reason you get those rigs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and we're, we're kind of used to, I mean, we're kind of used to with the old generation with the Xbox 360 and the PS3, but then the downgrade games, which was great because that means the game, which I'm sorry, it's not great, but the only benefit of that is that when I play the game on my rig versus on the uh, consoles, it looked phenomenal. Mass Effect 3 plays at 60 frames per second, zero hiccups on my on my on my PC. Looks phenomenal. Loads. Like, you know how people used to make jokes about the original Mass Effect and the loading time with the elevator? Yes. Okay, no, I didn't have that problem. My elevator rides were that, like two seconds. To be PC. fair, that was that was on the Xbox. That was not on the PC. No, yeah, well, that's you, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. On, it was on the Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. On the Xbox, you had the long loads with the elevator ride, and on PC, yeah. I didn't have that problem. No, but it's never been a problem on the PC. Exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, um, th- I, that's why I, you know the, I, I'm not surprised by this. Like, but with, with the with the old generation, you kind of expected that. The new next gen generation, which they of course they want to last for a very long time, is supposed to, you know be on par with PC and it definitely isn't. It definitely isn't. And I think that's what they're afraid of, that they don't want people to see that, you know, it's not even worth investing in this generation, maybe because, you know, it can't keep up with PC. But but what does Ubisoft care about that? Like they have you know, I mean they're making stuff for the consoles, they're making stuff for the PC. Whoever buys their game buys their game. So yeah. I, Go so, ahead, I'm sorry. No, but so um, it, um, it has to be they're getting pressure from either Microsoft and or Sony telling them, like, hey, come on, guys, help us out here a little bit. You know, make sure that our, our console games, you know, look just as good as PC here because, you know, we don't we don't want to see this generation die because we didn't put the latest and greatest hardware in there. I, I don't think that's the um, well, I think the problem is that they're they're afraid of PC, even though they Ubisoft can make um, games for any any platform their bread and butter is console like you they don't care about pc games you can see that by how they deal with assassin's creed by how they dealt with watchdogs on pc uh i mean the only game i say the 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 last game that they actually made work for pc well was like far cry 3 far cry 3 even ghost recon uh even ghost recon I mean, it performs well on PC, but the same exact bugs I had on my uh, Xbox 360, I have on my PC. They, they they didn't optimize it at all. Ubisoft is afraid of PC because, you know, PC is a whole different... You have more... Not more to worry about, but there's, you have a whole different set of priorities. First of all, you know they're terrified of of piracy. They're terrified of piracy, which is why everything goes through Uplay now. Uh, then on top of that, if you start focusing on PC, you got to make sure you're playing nice with NVIDIA and ATI, and you see that causes problems on its own. 
you know, their bread and butter is console. They want to, you know, push the, the games more on console and develop them for console and port them to PC. And PC is just an afterthought, and so, that's why. See, I, it, it almost feels to me like if PC development is such a headache for them, why are they doing it then? Because there's a market there. But, there is there is a market there. So there's a market there, but it's only for shitty suboptimal games. <laughs> I mean, they probably they know that you know. If, well, I think the part of the problem is they know people buy the games anyway. There was like you know, Which, I considered buying Watch Dogs. Considered buying Watch Dogs on PC only because. The PS4 version and the Xbox One version, they neither played it 1080p. That was the only reason I even considered it for PC. Other than that, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't dream of getting a Ubisoft game for PC. The new Assassin's Creed, not getting it for PC. No way. Forget about it. Going to be on console, definitely. You know? So, yeah, that that's the thing. Like Ubisoft, you just know them as, like, you know, they're not like EA. EA can do both. EA will do console or EA will make PC, and, I mean, Battlefield 4 and uh, Sims, SimCity excluded, uh, they'll usually make sure that, uh, you know, at least it works, or at least it will, you know, it's worth getting it on PC versus not. So, yeah, I mean, that's why this rumor has legs, and, I mean, that's bad news for Ubisoft. Consumer confidence is eroding. But if, if EA... Continues to develop for PC in such a way that the PC games are obviously going to look better. Like it's going to be clear that PC is is better hardware. It's it's, it's better optimized going forward. Ubisoft is just going to continue to look stupid. Like it's just it's going to be obvious. Like they're 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 restricting their games because it's going to be like oh this is very comparable to the console. This is very comparable to the console. EA can handle that better. EA EA makes games that look like their PC games and Ubisoft at best is making ports. Right. I mean hey like so sometimes they like to live in that imaginary world called France. <laughs> no, just like oh no, everything's fine. It's just a figment of the imagination. This has the top PC graphics. What are you talking about? This, 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 this well, is the top yeah, of the line. Yeah, but, the, but the best part, though, is we know that the graphics are capable because they use top, the top of the line graphics in the demos at E3. <laughs> like, it looks amazing there. And then we realize when the game comes out, it doesn't look as good. And it's, oh, because we promotionally, we wanted it to look amazing. But when you actually play it, we need to we need it to, to, to look subpar. Dude, when I finally got to that part, like the part where that, you know, where you're in that, that club. Yeah. It was laughable laughable on ps4 it was bad really it was bad i was like are you fucking serious compared to what they showed at e3 yeah dude it was bad was wow like, and, that, and that was the ps4 that was the ps4 version wow lord help you on pc if you even get a chance to play it <laughs> lord and tech support help you yeah <laughs> so uh yeah that that's just a rumor for right now but if you ask me it's true <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a strong rumor. Yeah, so. Uh, but let's talk about our last topic. And Nick, you brought this to my attention, so I'm going to let you lead on it. Uh, there's obviously a problem with game titles. No, there's not. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I guess Samantha Allen, uh, who wrote an op- opinion piece for Polygon, thinks there is. Um, she complains that game titles are either too functional, too adolescent, um, or just too uncreative, 
and that they can be better and, and more reflective of the art medium that is, is gaming. And I, I guess to a degree, I mean, she might be right as far as, you know, looking at stuff like, you know, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, you know, and then the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Um, you know, again, those are, you know, being a very functional title. Um, but fundamentally, I mean, p- part of her argument is that some of the, the adolescent game titles, um, you know, are being, uh, you know, from, from the 90s, for example, uh, being ridiculously masculinized, such as Doom, Diablo, or Command and Conquer. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm saying this is sort of a, a male and I don't see the masculinization of that, but that, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't see how that's a Doom and Diablo are masculine titles. I mean, Doom... It, Doom is do- doom. It's you know, <laughs> you know, Diablo is the the Spanish word for devil. Like I don't, I don't, I don't see the masculinization there. Maybe it was Diabla. Maybe that's what she's looking for. But no, I, I think there she, she, I think, think to a degree, she's being a little bit sensitive. Um, I mean, I can kind of give her Duke Nukem a little bit because Duke is a male name. But Command and Conquer, that's there's no masculine. Like that's that's functional. It's just very functional. It's yes. functional, and I can I can see the argument that okay, a functional title isn't you know isn't artistic. I'll give you that. Like you know, Command and Conquer versus like The Last of Us. The Last of Us is a more artsy title, but the thing though is Command and Conquer. That's a military game. I know that just from that name. I don't necessarily know if it's an RTS or it's a shoot shooter. It's probably an RTS because of the command concept, but. As a functional title goes, it that fits perfectly. She complains about games like titles being intent for like billboards. You can quickly understand what they are. That's the entire point of a title to summarize the game in a very <laughs> very short thing, so you know what you're buying. Then she she praises a title like Sleeping Dogs as opposed to True Crime Hong Kong. Sleeping Dogs, yes, that's an artsy title, but we, we you said what with we, we live in a world with Sleeping Dogs, Nintendo Dogs, and Watch Dogs. All three of those are are, are different games and and. I mean, at least Watch Dogs is like, okay, it's about like, you know, people that like, you know, watch other people with surveillance and stuff. Nintendo Dogs, it's about virtual dogs run by Nintendo. Sleeping Dogs. I don't know what that's about. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, so. I played the game and I don't know what the correlation is with the title. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, because, you know, it's. And I mean, you know, it's, it's the same thing here. She talks about Pure as opposed to, you know, a game like ATV Off-Road Fury. Like, that's great. You know, that, that's great if you have the context of maybe seeing game footage, maybe, you know, having the box in your hand so it can show you artwork. But I don't know what the hell Pure is by itself. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It could be about cocaine. Well, yeah. I, you don't know. So, I, I mean, it's. Yes, I mean, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. How many times, you know, how many times have, have you know, like we, we watch movies, we watch movies on demand, and you're looking through the titles for movies, and you're like, oh, this looks interesting, and then you pull up the description, and you actually have to read the description to know like what you're going to be getting here. It's you know, and, and sometimes it's it's not at all like what you expect it to be. I mean, there's plenty of times you you know you go you know you used to have to go to the video store and you actually have to look at the you know you'd see the title and look at the box and then figure it out. It's it's kind of the same thing here. I don't get the you know first of all I, I completely completely don't understand the masculinization argument. Like you know like even she even talks about like Splatterhouse or Left for Dead. You know being you know again being adolescent. Like, it's i mean maybe in the to the degree that you know excessive gore is adolescent but i know that those games are going to have excessive gore by the title and i can make the decision at that point whether or not i want to play the game like you know especially splatterhouse that is an ex- the name is excessively gory 
And, you know, I can make the decision about that based on the title. It does its job. You know, at that point, you know, you can kind of, you know, start bitching about the game itself. But I, I but again, I don't see where the masculinization comes in. Like, you know, Left for Dead, you, you know, some of the characters in that game are female. Right? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So I mean there's no I, I don't I don't see unless the the fact that it's a four instead of the word four, that's masculine. <laughs> I don't my thing about it is like I don't understand why she wants to have all these artsy titles. Like it sounds like she wants the title to kinda hint at what the game is about and then you have to find out while you're playing it. But here's the thing, I I sure, some games are art. One hundred percent. Some games are art, but the vast majority of video games that come out are products and they are titled so that people browsing their wares knows what they're getting into you know even left for dead you know you know it has something to do with zombies or so you know something about about dead or be at least being left behind but you really don't know what the game is about and the, the title itself is is a is a play on the game itself because you're left behind the reason the four is a number four as opposed to just a four is because there are four players. You know, uh, she she got on Spec Ops the line a little bit, and when I read that part, that's when I realized she was just pulling titles out of the air. She didn't play those games. She did not play Spec Ops the line because if you played and beat Spec Ops the line, you would know why. You know, well, first of all, it's obviously a Spec Ops because that's the series, but the specific part, like the line. That part of that title has a huge significance with the story, and she just does, she doesn't get it. She just figures, oh, it's some military game. And that's why title that they wanted to make it sound edgy. No, the line portion of that game, and I'm not gonna spoil it. The line portion of that game has has very very deeply embedded in the story. I have never had a game make me question my values. Okay. Until I played that fucking game, mm-hmm. okay? So, mm-hmm. yes. that like she, That's when I was like, okay, fine. She is literally pulling titles out of the air. And it pretty much discredits the entire thing for me. Because look, looking at these games without context, um, it's kind of the same thing that I need Sarkeesian's doing. In some cases. It, it kind of it discredits you because you, you, you're you not looking at the game in the proper context. Or, or in this case, the title... Uh, with 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 the proper context, I mean Gears of War. Even though I don't like that game, the title it kind you know gives the user an idea of what they're getting into. But to fully understand the title, you have to play the game and like, oh, that's why it's called Gears of War. It's just not a snappy title. It has to do with the story and the structure of the of uh you know the game itself and how it works. So I, you know, I mean, she says stuff like sniper is elite, sniper elite. You play as an elite sniper. Yeah, you know what? It was a bunch of guys and the guys who got together. It's like, look, let's make the sniper game. What do we call it? I don't give a fuck. Call it sniper elite. You know, they were too busy building the game. <laughs> you know, I mean, to to a degree, a game. I mean, a game's name is important, but it, at the end of the day, a great game is going to get attention whether it's got a crappy name or not. You know, if if everybody knows, like, oh, hey, this game is amazing. It's got great gameplay, great characterization, and it's called like dumb shit. Like, people are still going to be like, dumb shit's a great game. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's it, yeah. I I just, I mean, to to a degree, yes. You know, could there be more creativity in, in game titles? Yes, but sh- you know, 
I don't think it's it's a problem at all. <laughs> I don't. She, I don't. I don't. I, I, don't under, I just don't understand the argument. She even brought up Broforce. I'm like that game is specifically titled like that. But she's compl- she's complaining about the irony. She says it's ironic, but it's still wrong because it's. It, it... But that's the point of the title. Like, what year was she born? Did you not see RoboCop, Rambo, Terminator? Like, you know, that, that it's making fun, not making fun of all that, but it's supposed to. Yeah, that's the, it's supposed to invoke just awesomeness. No, but but my favorite my favorite thing about the piece is the title that seems to piss her off the most is Bone Storm, which isn't even actually a game. <laughs> it's a, it was a, it was a fake name for a video game in The Simpsons. And it, like she keeps kind of going back to that as like an example of like the adolescent nature of video games. Yeah, when that was clearly like a uh, satire. Itself. Yes, <laughs> it's. It, I feel like the straw man is just so large in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like when you brought it to my attention, I was like, really? Like this is just picking at nothing. That's what I'm saying. Game news has been slow, man. Nobody's having anything to talk about besides this shit. If there's one game that you should argue has a masculine name, it's the Stanley Parable. (laughs) Oh, because his name is Stanley. (laughs) Because the name is the name is a dude's name. That 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 that's a problem. Hey, but okay. I mean, (laughs) whatever floats your boat, or you know, whatever makes you feel better. I, I don't see this. I don't see her concerns being addressed anytime soon, because, no. like I said, most games are are their their product. So exactly <laughs> that that they're gonna continue to be uh, titled like products. Yes, you know so, and they should be. Yeah, they don't need to have you know be titled like perfumes, <laughs> you know. So, oh well. Uh, I think it's gonna end uh, the podcast. Let's see what's coming out, shall we? Shall we? Um, hmm, anything worth mentioning? Wow, uh, I guess Child of Light comes out for PSB the next week. So does Constant C. Dude, I am not seeing any new new games coming out. We are in the summer drought. I feel like we were just in like the spring drought. Yes, we were. That's like, <laughs> like it's, we, it's, we're just still in drought the drought. To drought. I don't know. Like, I don't understand why people do not take advantage of like you know people do not take advantage of you know this stuff like you know like this this time of year. Like, is it really that bad for sales? Is it? I mean, like you know, people are like, I would assume people kids are home. You know, during the summertime, like sure they do go on vacation, but for a week, two weeks. If if anything, kids got summer jobs now. They actually have money to spend on games. Yeah, you know, I don't understand it, so I I don't get it. I don't maybe understand. maybe nobody wants to compete with the Steam sales. <laughs> well, those are over now. I know, I know. I'm saying, oh. but yeah, I mean, The Last of Us Remastered comes out at the end of July. Woo! Like that's about <laughs> it. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's tons of stuff. It's probably a bunch of... Like, you know the thing about indie games? They kind of just kind of surprise you and pop out of nowhere. So those are probably uh, going to gonna be what keep us you know, afloat over these next few months, hopefully. Hopefully. So we'll see. We shall see. But uh, yeah, that is going to bring us to the end of our podcast. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. 
Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash smash those buttons. We are on iTunes for your Android and iOS devices. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, I, I, for your iOS devices. You can download uh, us on iTunes. If you want us on Android and iOS for streaming or download, that's Stitcher, Stitcher Smart Radio. Uh, we are on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash mash those buttons. YouTube, which is youtube.com slash mash those buttons. And we are on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash MTB site. So you can catch up with us on all those. Also, don't forget about WoW Talk. That's Nick's World of Warcast. War, War, it's late. <laughs> Nick's World of Warcast podcast. Something like that, yeah. Warcast. <laughs> Warcraft podcast. There we go. That's what there it is. There we go. Yeah, we we should have uh, hopefully one of those up uh, in the next week or two as far as talking about the beta once I can poke around there a little bit more. All right, cool. So, yeah, like I said, thank you for listening, and we will catch you guys later. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend, or week, actually, because the weekend's over. See you guys. See you.